Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So these next three weeks today, we're really going to look at just an intro um, talking about going and getting the one. I talked a little bit about it just really loosely last week about going and getting the one, that that's going to be the focus of what we really focus on this year. But I want to just really make sure you understand what that means. And then once you understand what that means, we will start looking at the areas that we're going to focus our attention on in going and getting the one. Because we have to understand the heartbeat of it first. If we don't understand the heartbeat, it's going to be hard for us to really understand how those apply to the areas we're going to focus on. Um, But this year, we're really going to just jump all the way in. We're going to ask God that he would make the vision clear, that he would make it achievable, that we would know where we're going. Um, So Habakkuk 2.2. How many of you know where the book of Habakkuk is? How many of you didn't know that was a book of the Bible? Hey, help your kid out, okay? So in in that book, in the Bible, in in chapter 2, verse 2, this is what it says. It says, write down the revelation... And make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. So what does that mean? That means a revelation or a vision. It needs to be written down because once it is written down, it becomes a goal. And then once it's a goal, it can be broken down into steps. And once it's broken down into steps, it becomes a plan. And then a plan executed actually becomes a reality. All right, let me say that one more time. So when we write it down, it becomes a goal. And then once that goal is broken down into steps, it becomes a plan. Once it becomes a plan, that plan executed actually becomes a reality. Now, that works for church vision. That works for government vision. That, works, that, that will work for your life. If God gives you steps or he gives you a vision or he gives you a focus for this year, don't just keep it in here. We have to write it down so that you can, you can execute it, you can provide the steps, you can make a plan, and then you can execute it and it can actually become a reality in your life. How many of you have had hopes and dreams and plans, but they never left the noggin? Right? You know, that happens often. But once we write those things down, we put it on a little sticky note or a post-it, and we put it somewhere where we can see it, now it's actually before us, and that is the first step. Writing it down. Write that vision down. Make it a goal. Put it into achievable steps. Make a plan, and then that plan becomes a reality. So as we really go through these next three weeks, I'm going to communicate our vision, our goals, our steps, and our plan to get there. But it will take all of us working together to make it a reality. I can have a plan, I can have an agenda, but if you guys don't understand that plan, if you don't adapt the vision and you don't become the vision, it'll be very difficult for us to act that vision, to to participate in that vision. We've got to realize that this year, what we're going to have to do is actually absorb that vision and become that vision. Uh, If we absorb the vision, do you realize we just become the vision, and then we just naturally respond? It's not something we have to work to. Have you ever tried to do something that your heart wasn't in it? Amen. Every day, all the time, sometimes, right? You know, it's almost like we're forced to do something. Well, how many of you have ever got the privilege to do something you're passionate about or excited about? Did did they, they have to twist your arm to do that? Did they have to twist your arm to be excited about that? No, it came naturally because it came from the inside out. You actually enjoyed it. You loved it. So when we become the vision, we will naturally respond with passion and direction because the vision is now flowing from the inside out. 
It's not something we're forcing. It's not something uh, we're, we're having to really work real hard in doing, but it will come naturally to us. But this morning, I want to spend a little bit of time this morning revealing the heart of the phrase, go get the one. So there's this story about this old man who was walking along the beach. He did this every single day. He did it often. Well, one day as he was walking along the beach, he noticed a young boy. And he bent down, he stooped down, and he grabbed an object, and he, and he you know, made the motion of throwing something, and he got a little bit closer. And as he got closer, and he approached the boy, he said, Son, what are you doing? He said, Well, there's, there's starfish in the sand, and the, the tide is going out, and if I, don't, if I don't throw them back, every single one of them will die. Well, the old man that had, that had walked the beach every single day of his life looked around. He says, don't you see the number of starfish? It's covered with starfish. And he says, you know, you can't save them all. There's miles and miles and miles of it. So the little boy respectfully looks the old man in the eye. He reaches down. He grabs one more starfish, and he throws it back. He looks him in the eye and says, but I made a difference to that one. Now, we have to realize that this story really reveals a sea of impossibility. When we look at it, it seems like it's impossible. But when we narrow it down to reaching one, it is now achievable. But we can have two perspectives. We can be like this old man who sees the impossibility and just walk past it and say, well, it's too difficult. There's too many. Maybe there was even a season where that old man tried to save the starfishes and he realized, I couldn't save them all. But let us be like this boy that focuses on not saving all of them. But can you perhaps save one? That's the heartbeat. Saving, rescuing, everyone seems impossible, but we can all save one. And God maybe has given you a lifetime to do it. you got to realize that it's achievable. It's something that we can do. And that was the most exciting thing about this vision. It wasn't like God said, you know, I've heard some of these churches say, man, God's put on our heart to reach a million. I was like, Lord, thank you. You told me one. I can handle one. I don't know if I can handle a million. If I can, if I can bless it, you know, like I just hear these numbers. I was like, man, good luck. Hope at the end of the year, when you tally all them starfish, it equals a million, man. All I got to get is one. I can do that. Right. So, you know, it seems some like, sometimes like it's impossible, but go get the one. It actually comes from a kingdom-focused mandate, and it uh, fulfills the heart of the great commission of Jesus found in Matthew 28, but also kind of compounded with Acts 1.8. So we'll look at that, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is what it says. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And verse 20, it says, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, so the commission in that passage, it says, Therefore, go. Thus, we get to go get the one. We can't just sit here every single Sunday and expect the starfish to jump in our lap. You have to go to where the starfish are. I mean, it'd be cool. I don't, I've never seen that many starfish at Matagorda Beach, but I guess whatever beach this boy was walking across, he knew it was where the, the place where the starfish lived. For us to, be, to rescue starfish, we have to go to where the starfish are. We can know that there is a need. We know that there is a place that we can reach people, but sometimes we are so comfortable just sitting where we're at, staying right where we're at. 
But that commission is therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Let's look at Acts 1.8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now realize that it says, You will be my witnesses. So the two things that, that we are asked to do is first go and make disciples, and then secondly, to be his witnesses. That's what it's all about. It, it's not a gospel that we're to keep to ourselves. It's not a story of Jesus that we're just supposed to say, man, I got the greatest story ever told. Shh, don't tell no one. There was a moment where Jesus told people when he would perform a miracle or he would do something amazing, hold on, hold on, don't say anything yet, yet now is not yet my time because he was on a time, he was on a timeline. He didn't want to get ahead of the curve because he knew that he was going to be crucified on a cross and if they just told everybody out of, out of the gate, maybe it would have happened too rapidly. Because let me tell you what, when you start talking about what Jesus has done, it will rapidly increase that communication. It is the greatest story ever told. You know, uh, I don't spend a whole lot of time on Facebook, but how many of you have ever seen a Facebook post that is getting all kinds of traffic and attention and gets out of control? Everybody has opinion or somebody starts talking about it or, you know, uh, you know it, it just gets a lot of traffic, right? But the story of Jesus should be the same way. When people start hearing this story, now I think in American culture, most people have heard the story, but they don't understand the story. It's one thing to hear the story. It's another thing to understand the meaning of the story and realize that this story actually had the crosshair on you and me to change our life forever. There's, it's, it's totally different. But we are to be his witnesses. We are to go. We are to tell. We are to get to where they're at. And then when we look at that, do, do you realize that um, this idea of discipleship was never intended to disciple the already churched? Like we talk about making disciples all the time. He didn't say like, hey, all you Christians, we're going to get in a pile and we're going to disciple ourselves. The idea was to go out and disciple the lost and those newly converted. If I'm still discipling you in level one salvation, we are failing as a church. But we've tried to group the church and said, okay, we're going to disciple ourselves. We're going to disciple each other. We have to disciple those who do not know Jesus. He said, go and make disciples. You already are disciples. I'm going to remake disciples. What am I doing there, right? I have to go and make disciples of new converts. Maybe I'm even making a disciple of someone who doesn't even know Jesus yet. And how does that make sense? It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the message of the word. Do you realize that people will get around cool stories about Jesus and will begin to hear those things? And when they hear those things, it causes faith to arise unto salvation. Now, don't just stop with the stories that are in the Bible. Tell them the stories about your life. You're like, Pastor Noe, I don't have that good of a story. Are you even saved? Because if we have a story of salvation in our life, that is the greatest testimony we will ever share with anybody else. I was like this, and now I'm like this. My heart was hard, and now my heart is soft. I didn't care about the things of God. Now I can't stop talking about the things of God. And it just, it just begins to make sense. But when we look at that, we, he wanted to focus on the lost, the new converts. So when we look at that, it actually gives us guidance of the where. Where are we to go make witnesses? It says in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So when we talk about Jerusalem, that is in your family or in your city. It's in your own backyard. It is in the place where you are heavily involved. And then it says, and then Judea and Samaria. So that would be the state or the country. 
So we see that it starts in the family, and then it starts in the community, and in our state, and in our country. And then it says, we know what this means, to the ends of the earth. So that means the world at large. That is to where we should witness. So really, we should all be witnesses in every single one of those facets. Hopefully, first, in our family. Secondly, hopefully, in your community. You know, I hear so many people get frustrated about Bay City or how bad of a place it is, and, you know, it just needs to change. Well, change it. It's okay to talk about and be frustrated about something, but be about it. Like, change the situation. Look at something positive. Just don't look at the negative. You know, people do a lot of talk, very little action. You know, I almost want to on those chats, but I'm a pastor. i got to be real careful what I say. You know, I'm almost like, so when are you going to do something about it? Or when is your kid going to be the one that's wrong? I mean, all kinds of stuff I can do. Like, hey, like, if, if, if all the schools have been horrible and your kid is the common denominator, then your kid might be the problem. Like, you know, everywhere you've been, the schools are horrible. Come on. Like, you know, uh, you know I think there's different perspectives. There's different things. But we got to realize if we don't like the situation we're in, begin to change it. To witness actually means to tell someone what you have seen or what you have heard. That's all you do. It, was, it wasn't anything sophisticated. It wasn't like super deep doctrine. It was just sharing with people what you've seen Jesus do. Now, I hope if you've experienced enough of our services and you've attended enough, you can see the goodness of God in the lives of hopefully your, your own life, but hopefully in the lives of others. So you can say, man, I showed up this Sunday and I didn't talk to Pastor Noe, but he preached a message that nailed me to the wall. And we have that happen a lot where we will share something. You're like, man, did so-and-so call you? I was like, what are you talking about? But let me tell you what, the Spirit of God has a way of being effective in our lives, of knowing what we need when we need it. So I hope that there's something that you can share to the world about the goodness of, of what God has done in your life. If you haven't, you got to see it. you got to ask God to reveal it, to show you what it is that He's doing in and through your life. Okay, So witnesses is to tell someone what you have seen or heard. So in Acts 4, 19 through 20, Peter and John, this is how they replied. They said, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Did you see that? It says, as for us, as for me, I cannot help but to say what we have seen and what we have heard. You know, if you cannot help, you know, it's, it's like, it's like the great, think about the greatest Christmas gift you ever got. The greatest gift in your whole life. Like, think about it. How excited were you to either show that off or tell others about it? Even if they didn't care about it. My wife graciously loves me when I get something really cool or I like something. She goes, all right, baby. With that awkward smile, she doesn't even understand what I'm talking about or what it is. But hey, if I'm excited, she's excited for me. But think about it, something you are so excited about, you want to show it off, you want to tell everybody. You know, uh, ladies, if you ever got engaged and you got an engagement ring, that thing went viral. Oh, let me get the light. It wasn't bright enough. Or what, you know, like it, it's something, it's a big deal, something that's super important to you. Why would Jesus not be just as important? Why would, he, why would it not be just as exciting to say, man, let me tell you what Jesus did. I'm not here to judge you, man. I'm not here to break you down, but I want you to know that, there, that God had a plan for that sin or God had a plan to redeem us, that he didn't just leave us, you know, and say, good luck, Chuck, but he sent his son to love us and to die for us and, and to bring us back to that place of relationship with him. He knew that man was going to be born sinful, separated from God. 
And they made a plan to redeem that. You know you can be forgiven for everything you've done? Well, I don't deserve it. Well, that's cool. God knew you didn't deserve it. So he sent Jesus. Man, like, there's just this passion and this desire and this excitement about what Jesus has done. Jesus is always the answer. Always. It doesn't matter what you're going through, what you've been Jesus is always the answer. So when your kids go to class and they come at, back, what did you learn today? If they say Jesus, that's the right answer. Even though we don't like that answer, no, but what did you learn? Jesus, right? That's, that's always the answer. All right? So we can't help but, but talk about what we've seen and what we've heard. So we have to be a church that is for the believer with the lost in mind. I thought about this a long time because there's so many different ways of doing church. You know, is the church for the unbeliever? Is the church for the believer? Is the church for both? You know, I believe that the church has to be focused for the believer with the lost in mind. We can't just say it's just a church for the believers because then there is no focus on those that don't know Jesus. But we don't want to be so focused on those that don't know Jesus that we, that we always teach basic, basic fundamentals because then guess what? Then me as a pastor teaching you and, and causing you to grow is going to be a challenge, right? It, it's so that, that you mature and you become vital and you really become all that God has called you to in the life of the church. It, my job is to equip you for the work of ministry, but if I focus on just the lost in a self, if, if every single week I give you a salvation message and that's it, well, you'll be saved, but you may not be mature. So there's different things that we have to talk about. We have to establish the basics because if the foundation is not laid, nothing else matters. But once that foundation is laid, my job is to help you grow. Why? So that you begin to do the work of going and getting the one. I want you to be confident in the mission that God has called you to. But you better, I mean, you can give what you've received, right? I hope. If you've been led to salvation, I hope you can lead somebody else to salvation. I hear so many people, well, I don't know what to say. Well, are you even saved? Because you had to know what you agreed to when you received salvation. And I give children grace, but as full-grown adults, everybody in this room, we got to know the salvation in which we believe. We have to know that. But my job is to help you grow. So we are a church that, that, is, that is for the believer with the lost in mind. Uh, this year, you know, we're going to be a church that doesn't just talk about going and, and outreach, but we're going to be a church that actually practically reaches out. The phrase that you'll hear us say over and over and over again is go get the one, go get the one. I want you to think that like, you know, even when the message ain't about go get the one and I ask you, hey, what I preached on last week, you, I want you to say go get the one. I want it to be so ingrained in your mind that, that you live, breathe, and you think it. Go get the one. So we're going to go get the one. How are we going to do that? So I'm going to give you some of the framework of what we're going to look at in the next few weeks. But we're going to go get the one first and foremost in our families. You're like, well, I don't like my family or I can't speak to my family. Guess what? God has positioned you in that family. For a reason, you're like, you know, uh, I was having a conversation, you know, kind of bouncing some thoughts off. I said, you know, how is it that we're more faithful to our friends, but we're not that faithful to our families? Man, you ain't going to like where I go with this message. Because it makes us personally responsible for our families to some degree. Now, if they don't want to listen, if they don't care, if they shut you down, it is what it is. But I want to show my family the same love and compassion that I would show my close friends. Now, a lot of times people will say, well, I got closer friends in the church than I do my families. Is that okay? 
Like that's where, I was, that's where my, my train of thought was going. Is that okay that it's established like that? Or should our families be collectively a part of the church, all collectively, all together, and we're all networked together where there is no separation between blood relatives and brothers and sisters in Christ? It's all meshed together. You're like, man, you don't know my family. <laughs> and I don't, but God does, and God loves them. So we're going to reach our families. That's going to be one area that we focus on going and getting the one. We're going to focus on our community. That's Bay City. That's Matagorda. That's, I'm going to say Matagorda County. When we talk about our community, that's everywhere that we have reach um, from the inside of this church out and then the world. So the impact of that mission, understand this, will be up to you, and it will be up to me. It will be, be up to us collectively. If only Pastor Noe does this, we will fail. But if enough of us do it, we can change the world. You're like, you for real? I'm for real. But it has to start in our family. Then that has to bleed over in our community. And then our community has the potential to impact the world. All right? So we have to realize that there's individual impact. With that's what do I do? What can I do? What is Pastor Noe doing? And then there's a collective impact with what is the church doing? What are we collectively doing as a group? And then there's this extra special sauce. And this is the supernatural impact of the Holy Spirit enabling what we're doing. You know, there's a passage of Scripture where it says that the church met together. They celebrated. They fellowshiped. But it says, then the Lord added daily those who are being saved. So we have to realize there is an individual impact, there is a collective impact, but then there is something that the Holy Spirit does, solely His job that draws hearts to Him. I can persuade you, I can convince you, but if the Holy Spirit, by the power of God, does not convict a heart of stone, you will never receive salvation. It says that the Spirit of God, He says, unless I draw men, they cannot come to me. So I'm going to pause there just for a moment. If you were in this room this morning, you're saying, man, I feel super awkward. I don't know what's going on. I'm ready for you to pray and dismiss me. God is wanting to do something in your life today. In this moment, you say, ah, man, this stuff is freaking me out. This stuff is kind of real. It's kind of personal. I feel like you're just kind of reading my mail. I feel like the Spirit of God is like doing something on the inside. Just open your heart to that. Allow the Spirit of God to do what He wants because the Spirit of God has, has, has impact like Pastor Noe can never have. But I'll tell you what, he will use me as a tool to impact you. That's my part. But guess what? He will use us collectively through his power to impact. And then if we, if we are aligned with him, we will see amazing things. I think deep down inside of each of us, each of us really, really desire to make a difference in the world around us. You may look at your life, your family, your community, and the world around you and think that you are up, ag up against a wall of impossibilities and don't know what to do. But let me tell you what, this morning you got two options available to you. You can stand by and do nothing or you can ask God for help through prayer and be determined to make a difference. Right? To be determined to make a difference. Say, Lord, I, I'm, I, I, can't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. But Lord, help me. And as we pray and we ask God to be involved, we'll see things change. Now this morning you may say, Pastor Noe, I'm not a leader. I don't have what it takes. Let me let you in on a little secret. When you don't have what it takes, that's exactly the people that God wants to use. He actually qualifies those who are unqualified. He doesn't look for you to be fully qualified and then put you into work. He finds the unqualified and qualifies them. He gives you what you need to be successful. Because, you know, if, if he promoted those who just had the stuff to make a difference, it would just be about them. It wouldn't be about the Spirit of God doing the work in a person. 
You may say this morning, Pastor, you know, that still doesn't make me, make me a leader. Well, let me challenge you about leadership in a slightly different way. Um, think about it this way. Being a leader means one that can influence. Now, when we talk about influence, uh, good, bad, and ugly, you know, anyone can, can cause influence. You ever seen that? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. I've seen good influence. I've seen bad influence. Now, I'd rather you have good influence rather than bad influence. But everybody, nonetheless, can influence someone. You say, well, I only got a few friends I influence. That's great. You have influence. So if you have the ability to influence, you have the ability to lead. So everyone here today, really, I believe, is here today because they love God and you desire to make an impact in his kingdom and make a difference, hopefully. You know, if we're just in this to say, hey, I'm going to get my bulletin and I'm going to go to a restaurant, they're going to give me a 10% discount. And I hope, you, I hope that's not the only reason you came. Now, if you get a perk, great. But I hope that that is not your ultimate goal in showing up this morning, that you want to make a difference in your own life, you want to make a difference in your community, you want to make a difference in your world, and, and, you, and you desire to see that. So how do I make sure that my influence is effective? Because it's one thing to have influence, but I want my influence to be effective. Because even as a pastor, if I have influence but it's not effective, what's the point? So we unlock our effectiveness to influence by asking God and praying. We say, God, cause my ministry to be influential. Cause my life to be influential. People who pray release the power of the impossible to become possible. Prayer is what allows God's power into any situation. Do you realize that you individually really will have minimal impact? But if we pray and collectively combine, we can completely change the world. You know, I think of just uh, these ones that are really influencing our world they just collectively got together and decided to start communicating, to start talking, to start... They had an agenda. Now, I think the church as a whole has probably been quiet for too long and sat by passively not wanting to offend anyone. And in lieu of that, there has been a landslide of agenda. I'm just going to use that word loosely, agenda. They have an agenda and a, and a motive in what they're doing. Well, guess what? We have an agenda and a motive too. But it's contrary to the world's. And anytime it's contrary to your agenda, we think, well, you got to accept everything. No, we can't discriminate. That, 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 discrimination and disagreeing, have, they're, they're not the same. Right? I can, I can love people and disagree with your values. Right? You know, I can, I can love people, but I'll still hate your sin. Why? Because God hates your sin. I'm not going to call sin righteousness and righteousness sin. I'm not going to get it all blurred. We're going to allow this, the, the, the word of God to clarify what that is. But we have to have an agenda just like the world has an agenda. I'll tell you what, Satan has an agenda. It is to kill, steal, and destroy. Our agenda should be countermeasures to every single one of those. But what's going to allow the enemy not to kill? What's going to allow the enemy not to steal? And what's going to allow the enemy not to destroy? Only the church. Because it says that the church, not even the gates of hell, would come against it. Me as an individual, he might bust me up. But as the church, what God has commissioned the church to be, he has created the church to be the key. He's created the church to be the answer. Man, aren't you glad you're at church today? Amen. It's a good place to be. 
How will we ensure success this year, Pastor Noe? We will pray. We will pray, and we will pray till we see God begin to move. So the, the last uh, week of this month, we're going to do a fasting week. If, if you're new to our church, you're like, what in the world is a fasting week? That means that we abstain from preferably food, but we abstain from something and we commit an uh, amount of time to praying and seeking the Lord. And we will have that fasting week. will start on a Monday. It will end on a Sunday. And it will start after we have communicated all three of these points to you. So you may say, Pastor Noe, what are we praying for? Man, we're praying that this vision and this direction of God would come to pass in the life of the church. That all, if it's an agenda that isn't in the heart of God, that we would quickly figure out what that does look like. If there's a few things that are not really clear, but we're going to do that. We're going to pray. We're going to see the hand of God move. So people who pray release the power of the impossible to become possible. Prayer is what allows God's power into any situation. It's crazy how we always pray last rather than praying first. It's like, Lord, I tried everything. <laughs> just kind of, I'm sure God just shakes his head at us, you know. That shaking my head emoji or that palm, you know, hand to the face, you know, palm. Just like, I think God looks at us like that all the time. He's like, man, what are you doing? Why did you not pray first? When we pray first, it ensures our victory. It ensures our success. Here's what the Bible says in James 5, 13 through 16. It says, if anyone among you is in trouble, let him pray. If anyone is happy, let him sing songs of praise. If anyone is sick, let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil uh, in the name of the Lord. And verse 15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick, sick person well, and the Lord will rise him up. Uh, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then let's look at this last little part. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, if you want some food for thought, you want some homework, you want something to chew on about praying, what does prayer do? What does it, read that whole passage. There, I mean, I could preach three different messages on just that passage. But that last part, it says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Did you get that last part? It is powerful and effective. When we pray, it causes power to be released, and it causes an effectiveness to accomplish that which we are praying in accordance with God's perfect will. Okay? So, you know, whose prayer? It says a righteous person, one who is right standing with God. Pray for yourself first, and then let's get to praying for others. You know, we kind of dabbled on that just a little bit this morning, that God wants to change the inside, but don't stay there for a lifetime. I hear so many people say, Pastor, I can't, you know, I'm not ready. I need to just grow more. I need to spend time with the Lord more. Let me tell you what, you know how you will mature the quickest? Is getting about Father's God's business quicker. You know, when you begin to do the work, he provides the quick learned process of learning in doing. You know, I know most of the time we have the lecture, then the lab, but I tell you what, the glue sticks when you do the lab, right? What is the prerequisite for getting in the game? Salvation being just a little bit ahead of those that you are discipling. You know, and I know people are super scared. They're like, well, I don't know how to lead them. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell them. Just tell them what you know. And then if you're discipling someone, you're spending time with, time with someone, and, you know, let's say you're taking them through a book of the Bible. You're, all right, this week we're going to read Matthew 3 and then 4. And as long as you stay a chapter ahead, you can continue to disciple someone. You say, well, what happens if they get further than me? Well, guess what? Then they begin to disciple you. Sounds like a win-win, right? So there's, there's, there's this forward positive pressure that causes discipleship to work. It causes growth to work. It's challenging each other to mature, to be all that God has called us to be. But listen, I don't want anyone, I don't believe any, God has called anyone to sit on the sidelines. As long as you have breath in your lungs, that's from the youngest to the oldest in this room. 
You say, Pastor Noe, I've been running a long time. I'm just going to take it easy for a little while. Well, don't stay there. Don't stay on the bench. Maybe you did work hard. Maybe you feel like, hey, it's the next generation's time. Listen, all you seniors in the room, and you're like, well, who's seniors? Well, if you feel like you're senior, you might be a senior. I don't know. If you identified with that, that's you. Get in the game. We need you. You talk about who can disciple the, us younger ones? You've been through life. You, you have more years of experience than my whole life. Right? We need you being involved. We need you discipling. We need you men raising up the boys. So, well, you're, you're a grown man. We can be fully grown and still boy, be boys spiritually. When we look at our family and our community and our world around us, it really does appear to be a seashore full of starfish needing rescuing. Overwhelming, I know, but the, the, the response to the overwhelming is up to you. You can pass by and not care and not do anything and say, it's pointless. Or you can make up in your mind to make an impact in one person's life. Now, it doesn't really matter. You say, Pastor, no, it doesn't matter. Why does it matter? Because somebody picked you up and threw you back in the water. Somebody cared enough for you. Why would we not care enough for them? You say, this is radical love. Yeah, it was radical love when God sent his only begotten son to die for the sins of the world. He didn't deserve it, but he chose it. He said, no one takes my life, but I willfully lay it down for those I love. He says, greater love has no one really than to lay his life down for his friends. And that's what Jesus did for us. So you want to talk about what is being a Christian all about? It's not fire insurance from hell, but it's to take the greatest story ever told. That's just not a story, but a truth and a reality that changed my life and has the potential to change your life and to change the lives of people around us. That's what it's about. But you have a choice. How many of you feel overwhelmed? You're like, Pastor Noe, I don't know what to do, and I feel overwhelmed, and I have been walking by people. How many of you are this? That's you this morning. Come on. All of y'all are throwing starfish? Come on. you got to realize when you're not doing anything, but then commission to do something. If you're just naively walking by, okay, no starfish, no starfish. I don't see anything, Lord. Come on. I think we're doing that. Well, you know, man, Lord, give me opportunity. Give me opportunity. You see somebody you know you need to talk to in the store, like, ooh, right turn. And you go the other way. You're avoiding the situations where God might want to work the most in your life. You played that duck and dodge before, I promise. I'm a pastor, man. Sometimes I'm like, ooh, that's going to cost me 20-minute conversation. I know that. But that 20-minute conversation might be what that person needs right there. And then while I'm talking to that person, there might be somebody on the clothes aisle right there that's actually listening to what we're saying. I've had that happen a lot. People in the booth turn around and say, where are y'all from? And y'all talking about church? Man, I never heard nobody talk about stuff like that. It's like, hey. And then I can just be like, hey, da-da-da. Or I can say, you know what, hey, bring your chair over here. I can always grab that starfish and throw it back. But I can get so much on my agenda that I miss the big picture. The old man in that story, he'd walk by the beach many, many times. He'd pass by thousands, if not millions, of stranded starfish. But he determined, this is what he determined. He said, because I cannot save them all, I'm not going to save any of them. The boy, on the other hand, had determined that I can't save them all, but I will save as many as I can. We know in Luke 15, 3 through 7, the, the story of the lost sheep 
as I was studying, there's the parables that talk about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And as I was digging through these, we all know the story. It says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in, in pursuit of the one? And then when he finds it, he joyfully puts the, puts the sheep back on his shoulders. He goes home, and there's a rejoicing, and there's a celebration. And then he talks about, he says, in the same way I tell you, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. So this morning, if if you're frustrated, you said, man, this isn't all about me. It's never about you, unless you're the one. Then it's all about you. But people get super frustrated when it's Jesus. What about me? What about me? He says he did not come for those who were well, but those who were sick. And the righteous people got frustrated. They wanted to suck up all of Jesus' time. And he had to be about his father's business. He had to be focused on what was most important in his life. And that was to seek and save that which was lost. That was to pick you up in the palm of his hand in the form of a starfish and breathe life into your life. But he didn't just set you back down on dry ground. He sent you sailing into your destiny to be and do all that he's called you to be. So Pastor Noe, what are you telling me today? If each of us would be determined to make a difference in the life of one other person, Choose to help someone in need. Say a kind word. Share the love of Jesus with a friend. Pray for him. Then guess what? We would begin to change the world. One person at a time. I got my guys to count how many people were in here today. The math, if we double it, is 304. Of what we had today. Or 308 is the number. So do you realize if each of us next Sunday we brought one person we could not we couldn't sit everybody in here. You're like, that's crazy. Yeah. So do you realize that when we each reach one, it puts us in a, in a, in a, it's not just addition now, it's multiplication. It's okay to have one visitor, two visitors, three visitors. If all of us invite one person next week, you got to let Pastor Noe know because we got to work through some logistics. I mean, I guess all you members can sit on the floor. I mean, what would we do? We can sit 240 in here. Right? That's, that's, that's every chair. That's not holding your purse, holding your water bottle. I mean, that's every single chair we got in the room. But if we each reach one, man, it changes everything. So then let's say, okay, hey, I, li- I like this go get the one vision. Hey, I got one. Well, guess what? There's a seashore full of starfish. You don't have to stop at one. But I'll tell you what, once you start saving one, there's something inside of you that wants to save more. There's this passion, there's this this excitement, and it's not for for me to, you know, like, there was no agenda. Hey, look at me, another starfish. It was just one old man that just so happened passed by. The only person that was looking at that young boy was the heart of God looking at him, saying, look at my son being about my father's business. As he grabbed one, he said, I got one, I got one. Uh, What is the movie? Is it Saving Private Ryan where he rescues the one? Man, he climbs up, he hoists himself up on a rope, and he goes and grabs one soldier, and he drags him. Hatshaw Ridge. My bad. Don't watch that other one. Watch that one. Uh, but he rescues one, and then he gets him down into safety. And he says, one more, Lord. One more. Almost to the point of sheer exhaustion, to where he could have died in the battle rescuing others. 
But that's what God wants from us. To be at a place of determination where until I breathe my last breath, I will go get one more. This year could be a year that changes everything in the life of the churches in Bay City. Because the moment I can't fit people, i got to call these other churches and say, I'm about to send you 40 people. That would be radical. You see what you're doing? What? I'm sending you 40 people. Why? We got too many. What happened? We decided to go get one. What are you going to do next week? Well, pastor, if they keep getting one, I'm going to send you another 80. Because it multiplies. It's just not addition. I don't know what we do at that point. I guess God gave us these six acres for a reason. I don't know, but you got to capture the depth of what could happen. It's it's amazing, right? And I think this is in the heart of God. But we got to begin to pray and really pray now because it's not just about numbers. It's not just about hype. What I'm looking at is like what that passage says. I tell you the truth, in the same way there will be more rejoicing over heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. I'm looking for a heart transformation. I'm not just looking for a bunch of people. That they would come to the knowledge of who Jesus is. Realize this, that you are the hands, you are the feet, you are the mouth. You are the example of God to the world. It's good to pray, but we should also preach, right? It's one thing, we'll pray, 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 but man, we got to go out and we got to preach. we got to tell people about Jesus. So in closing, this year I'm going to ask God specifically to work first and foremost in our families. And that we would be families that serve God. And it's not just, but we know that that will overlap if our families are reached, guess what? we will begin to reach our communities because our families are in the community. We will reach the community. And then when we reach our community, then I believe that we can dabble and we can begin to reach the world. But I want you to believe God to use you to do it. That's what I want you to do. I want you to believe that God can use you to do this. Some of you are like, Pastor Noah, you got this, bro. I'll give you a high five when you bring that one back. No, I'm talking about, I want you to believe God to use you for it. You know how many people you come in contact with every single day that don't go to church or don't have a church family or don't know the love of Jesus? If you really knew, you'd look at the sea of possibilities and realize there's starfish all around you. And God wants you to grab one and throw it back. I kind of closed with this last week, and I'm going to close with this this week. Go get the one. Well, why? Because somebody went and got you. You're here because of the grace of God. It's not that you were born into the perfect best family. Most of our families are pretty messed up. But guess what? When we come to Christ, we're adopted into a new family. Are we still messed up? Yes. (laughs) Do we still need the grace of God every single day? Absolutely. But there's a love and a compassion and a forgiveness and just something that the blood of Jesus just covers and changes all of it. You guys stand up with me. I'm really asking God, like I said, not just for you to hear the vision, but for you to become the vision. 
that you would be, I, I don't know, I mean, I don't know if saying the word haunted is, don't get lost in that word, but like you are haunted by the phrase of go get the one, where you're looking around and you're seeing somebody maybe at lunch today, and you're like, oh no, oh no, that's the one. What do I do with the one? <laughs> Ask God for wisdom. Say, so how to, man, I don't know. You know, maybe, how many of you have ever had your waitress walk up right when you're about to pray? It happens a lot, and I'm just like, you, you know they're there, and like some of them will stop and be like, oh, I'm so sorry you were praying. Some will just pour, regardless of you praying. But, you know, pay attention. If you see them approaching as soon as they show up, say, hey, we're going to pray real quick. You want to pray with us? And see where that goes. Because then you just went from something practical and really not anything spiritual, and you've adapted over into the spiritual. And it'll get them super awkward. But guess what? You're trying to grab a hold of a five-pointed five starfish that's fighting you, trying to wrestle them into the kingdom. Because realize, what we are striving to do, the enemy of this world is trying to keep us from doing. But let me tell you what. If you have received the gift of salvation today, you can give that gift of salvation to others. You can always give what you have received. Now, this morning, before we leave, it would be a shame for me not to offer you the gift of salvation if you've never received it. Because you can't give something you don't got. If you don't got a quarter in your pocket, you can't give a quarter. But if you have received salvation, you can give salvation. If you say, Pastor Noah, as you were talking about this, this really doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand why we would do it. Don't you know I got all of this stuff to take care of? It's so personal that we've never made it personal with the God and the creator of heaven and earth. And realize that he sent his son for us to die on a cross. And really, he requires our life. M most of us were preached the gospel of fire insurance. Oh, well, you want to you receive salvation? You know what you receive Jesus? Man, you know you're going to go to hell if you don't believe in Jesus. Man, I believe in Jesus because I don't want to go to hell. But that's the extent of it. We didn't realize that once we became a follower of Christ, we are to go and be witnesses. That's all you got to do. Just go and be witnesses. And being a witness, telling and testifying what Jesus has done in your life will be enough to change the hearts of people. But this morning, if you've never received salvation, I want to give you a chance to do so. Uh, this next week, just, just in closing, then I uh, want to give you an opportunity to respond if that's you this morning. Um, but next week, we're going to really look at how we are going to personally practically and sacrificially reach our family, our community, and our world. Next week, we're going to really focus on reaching our family personally. It's going to be a hard one, but I feel like if we can focus on reaching our families, oh, we can reach our community. And then if we can reach our community, guess what? We can reach the world. I think the family is going to be the hardest one. Most of us are like, forget that family. Let's go to community. But God wants to do something in the families first because we're going to need godly stable families to reach our community let me pray over you this morning if you if you said man i want to follow jesus i've never made that commitment and you want to do that this morning go ahead and start making your way as i pray prayer teams you can go ahead and come on up and i'm just going to bless you i'm going to just ask god to just really stir that vision in your heart this week as we go to work and to school and all of the all of the places that we would be focusing on going and getting the one so lord i thank you for each one under the sound of my voice this morning Father, I thank you for that, that heart of going and getting the one that, Father, that is what you're all about. Father, you reach us right where we're at. And Father, in turn, you want us to reach others right where they're at. 
So, Father, as we go from this place, I pray that you'd provide opportunity for us to really uh, encourage and strengthen and change the lives of those around us. Father, make us usable to your kingdom. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. Holy Spirit, I release you in this place to draw us to you. Father, even if we've served you for a long time and we need a fresh drawing closer to you, Father, I ask for that to happen right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you don't know the Lord, I want to give you opportunity to do that. Secondly, if you feel like your relationship with the Lord has not been what it needs to be, God says, come on back. Just like that prodigal son that came to his senses and made up his mind that it would be better to be in the Father's house than anywhere they ventured, that today is your day to draw back to him. We love you guys. You'd be blessed. Hey, man, these next two weeks, please be here. It's going to be a big deal as far as what we're talking about. Hey, go get one this week. If all of y'all invite somebody, send me a text, though. So we work through those logistical details. Or a whole bunch of us are going to be sitting on the floor. But I love you guys. Go make an impact in the world, in your families, and in our community. We love you guys. Y'all be blessed. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.